I'm so glad you're here today on the Lord's Day for this last sermon uh, entitled Fasting and Feasting. And that's what we've been doing over the past 21 days, not just our church, but 21 other churches from all over our city and really all over the, uh, up the Upper Cumberland. We have united together in this season of fasting, in this season of prayer. And I hope that as you participated in that, I hope that you have feasted on the Word of God. I hope that you have, have taken part in spending time alone with Him and reading His Word and praying. And I hope that fasting has been a part of that. If it hasn't, I hope that at least maybe you've done the others because that's what we've done together. We have basically made a commitment over the past 21 days, we made a commitment that we were going to practice spiritual disciplines together. And you may recall my series that I did this past August, September sometime, uh, on the spiritual disciplines. And there are four basic spiritual disciplines. And uh, you may remember these from that sermon series, spending time alone with God in silence and solitude, which is something that we should do every day, meditating on Scripture and praying, which again is something that we should do every day, and then fasting from food, something that we really only do periodically and really only do every now and then uh, together. But if you've participated in a, with us in this important season, you have done all four of these spiritual disciplines. These are so important. And I hope that we've started out the year right. I hope that as you have, as you've read the scriptures and prayed and, and hopefully fasted and spent time alone with God, I hope that the Lord has spoken to you. I hope that personally it has been a good season for you in seeking the Lord and seeking God's face. In fact, I hope this won't be something that you'll stop doing just after 21 days. I hope that you have started this year off with a pattern of seeking God through, through private prayer and spiritual disciplines, and I hope that you will maintain that discipline all throughout this year. I want you to make a commitment this year to grow spiritually. I want you to make a commitment this year to not let this previous season of 21 days end, that you will carry this forward for the whole year, and really obviously, hopefully, hopefully for your whole life. And it could be that some of you, you were already, you know, spending time with God on a daily basis, and maybe this helped to kind of uh, to kind of take you to the next level. But I can't imagine, I, could, I'm, I'm, I have to imagine that some of you probably had not been doing this until we started this together and you see the benefit and I want you to continue to do this because if we want to experience change in our life we have to seek God personally it's not enough just to come to church you'll hear me say that all the time it's it's it, the things that we do together are so important but if you want to change, if you want to become a new person, if you want to become godly, if you want to see things different happen in your life, you have to seek God personally. It has to be a personal walk and relationship with Jesus, not just something that we do together. You, it has to be, if, if, if it's not just you and God, it's not really real unless it's you and Him together all the time. And so I hope that that's been a benefit for you. In fact, today, I want to talk about that new person that God wants you to become 
that new self, and you can go ahead and open your scriptures to uh, your copy of the scriptures to Ephesians chapter 4. I'll start reading in verse 17. And I want to talk to you today about that new person that God wants you to become, and that new person that I hope that you have begun to see over the past 21 days as you've sought the Lord, read the scripture, prayed, and done and done all of uh, all of these things. This is this is a this is a great passage that speaks about the ongoing spiritual transformation that God desires to see in our life. So I want to invite you to stand with me as we read this together. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and let's start reading in verse 17. But it's I'm, in, in verse 17, I'm backing up that far because I really want to get a running start into verse 22 and following, which is going to be the core of what I want to talk to you about today. But look at verse 17. It says, now I say, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. For they're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. For they become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming, assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him the truth that is in Jesus. Now here it is. To put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirits of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray. God, today I pray that you would help us to put off and to put on. I pray, God, that you would help to reject the things about ourselves that are natural and that are self-centered and selfish in nature. And God, that we would embrace the things of God so that we might become the people that you have called us to be. Lord, do that in your people today. Lord, I can't do that in them. Lord, your word is powerful. God, you can raise the dead today if you so desire. And so, Lord, I invoke the name of Jesus right now. And I ask you, Lord, to do a spiritual work among your people. Lord, as I, as I preach your word, God, would you wake us up to who you have called us to be? And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated at this time. Change is hard. We all know that. It doesn't matter what kind of change it is. Uh, to move from one house to another, one city to another, one job to another, uh, to try to lose weight or gain weight or to, uh, to establish a, a change in our, in our daily schedule. Change is hard. Well, spiritual change is the same way, unfortunately. A spiritual way does not, spiritual change does is, is not come easy. It's something that we really do have to work for. It's something uh, that we have to put forth effort towards. But we do change. And more than likely, over the past 21 days, you might not be able to point to a specific instant in which you saw this magnificent change all at one time. Now, you might. I have had those periods of time in my life 
those special seasons, those moments in which God spoke to me or did something in me that changed me, and I mean, I could feel it. But the truth is, uh, those, are, those are usually rare. Uh, spiritual change happens incrementally, just like watching the, the minute hand on a, on a, on a clock a non-digital clock. Most of us have digital clocks now these days, but um, uh, you know, you watch that, you look at that minute hand and you can't really see it move. Sometimes we re- look really close and we think, maybe I just, maybe I saw it move, but most of the time we can't see it move, but we turn away and over the passing of time we look back and it's moved a lot. That should be the case with your spiritual life. You should be seeing changes that are happening in you, especially if over the past 21 days, you've been fasting, you've been praying, you've been seeking the Lord, you've been spending time alone with Him, meditating on Scripture. I hope that you have been able to see at least a direction in which the Lord has started to lead you in changing you uh, uh, and changing you for His, for His good. Uh, well, in this scripture that we've, that we've read today, we see a clear image of change. We see a putting off and we see a putting on. Now, this gives me the image of like a, a changing clothes, right? So we, we do that every day, right? Don't we, don't, we, don't we change clothes every day? We take a shower and we change clothes every day. Y'all did do that today, didn't you? Did all of you take a shower and change clothes at least sometime in the past 24 hours? I mean, if not, I mean, it's kind of packed in here. Your, ma- your neighbor might know. We, we, do this all, we do this all the time, except for maybe whenever you got snowed in. When you got snowed in, you know, people like Jennifer Acuff didn't take a shower, or uh, most of your friends with her on Facebook, you saw that. Don't take a shower and uh, change clothes for a whole week. How many, come on now, how many, how many, of, how many with Acuff? that you went the whole week, the whole week when you were snowed in. Maybe if, maybe a few of you, okay. Uh, oh, we got a few late confessions coming in. We change clothes every day. So, when I, but when I think about this, just the issue of taking off my clothes and washing them and one day putting them back on, that doesn't really do it justice. This gives the idea of a complete change. Like, if you were to see a picture of yourself from 20 years ago, and you look at the clothes that you wore then, and then you look at the clothes that you wear now, especially 30 years ago, 40 years ago, if you saw pictures, you would say, oh my goodness, not only do I look different and younger as a person, but I cannot believe I wore my hair that way. I can't believe I wore those clothes. And listen, I'm not one to give up on a garment. I had an old cotton shirt when Kelly and I first got married that had holes in it, and I loved it. And she just told me to throw it away, and I wouldn't. She finally would walk past me, and she would stick her fingers in the holes, and she would. And finally, I was like, "Okay, fine." You know. So I finally cast aside those old clothes, and I put on something new. And that's that's what your spiritual life should be like. Your spiritual life should be, over time, over a long period of time, you're putting off the old and you're putting on the new. You're putting off the old you, the old person, and you're putting on the new person that you are in Christ. The Bible teaches that we have two natures. A lot of of people don't quite grasp this. You have a 
evil nature, a sinful nature, a natural nature. Uh, other times it's called just the flesh in Scripture or the natural man or the fleshly person. And then you have the new self. You have what's uh, also called the new nature or the new man or the spiritual nature. You've got, you got to recognize that if you're a Christian, you have both of those at work inside of you. Now, if you're not a Christian, all you have is the old sinful nature that you were born with that matches up with this world and that perfectly fits within this world and just, and, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can really do uh, to see any type of spiritual change in your life because you have that old nature. But when you get saved, you inherit a new nature. Only the Christian has two natures. An unbeliever only has one nature and will just spin their wheels when they try to grow spiritually because it can't happen until you have the new nature. And if you don't recognize this as a believer, if you don't understand that you have an old nature that needs to be cast aside, it's going to lead to self-righteousness because you're going to think that you're just great and there's no work to be done in you. And if you don't, if, and, if, and if you're, if, if you're, if you're too caught up in that old nature, maybe you came out of a, a, a lifestyle of sin and you just really struggle with that old nature. If you don't realize that you have that new nature, then it can lead to discouragement. If you don't realize that you are literally a new person um, and you just have to walk after that person and, and nurture that new person, then it can get very discouraging. But it's important to see that we, if you're a Christian, we have two natures. And the Bible says about this old self, this old self, says, put it aside, cast it off, just like a moist, smelly sock. Cast it off like an old, dirty shirt, like a torn up, ripped up garment. Cast it aside, take it off. So your old self, now I want you to think about this with me for a minute. There are things about you, certain tendencies, your words, your desires, your thoughts, your emotions, your actions and deeds. There's certain parts of you that either don't honor God, so they're sinful, or they either don't fully live up to God's standards, they fall short. That's the old you, that's the sinful nature. That, that is the old person that you are. And you, you, probably, you probably know what some of these are. As soon as I said that, as soon as I said there's certain tendencies or words or desires or thoughts or actions or deeds or emotions, you probably said, oh, yep, uh, I can think about I have that tendency. That's a problem in my life. I know that that, listen, that is your old sinful nature. You were born with it. You were born with those tendencies and as you grew up from an infant into the person that you are now, your old nature, your sinful tendencies, they didn't get better. They get worse over the passing of time. They grow. You, you naturally become this person as you live your life. And you become more and more of this person um, as, as you just naturally grow. Now, here's what God's Word says. God's Word says... Stop being that person. That's what God's Word says. Put off that person. 
And you can't make an excuse, oh, I was born like this, and my mama was like that, and my daddy before her was like that, and my great-great-grandpappy, and it's just kind of run. No, you cannot make any excuse. You can't say, well, I was raised this way, or I got dropped on my head when I was a child, or it's not my fault. Somebody, You can't make any excuse. The Bible says when you see these things, the Bible says stop being that person. Stop. Cast it off. Push it aside. You've got to recognize and identify. And listen, I know this is not pleasant, but you have to recognize and identify those things in your life that don't honor God or those places in your life where you fall short and God says, put that aside. Now, these can be difficult to identify. Uh, your natural self, and this is the hard part, your natural self fits naturally into this natural world around us. And when I say natural world, I'm not talking about creation. I'm, because the, the, the systems of the world also have been infested by sin. Uh, see sermon series from last January. That the systems of this world um, fit perfectly with those sinful tendencies that you have. For example, you can't go very high in the corporate world before backstabbing and underhandedness and deception and arrogance and bo boasting and ambition and materialism are just a natural part of it. Now listen, I have, I have definitely not gone very high in the corporate world, but I have my eyes are open to the religious world, and I can tell you in the religious systems of this world, not speaking necessarily directly about our church, but in a lot of religious systems of this world, um, there's th the same applies with education systems, religious systems, political systems, social structures. Our sinful nature fits perfectly into how we can be successful among this sinful world. The problem is, if you don't recognize and identify those things and stop doing those things, you won't grow spiritually. There is a choice. Ultimately, there is a choice that we have to make. Am I going to embrace the systems of this world and my natural self, or am I going to put aside those things and begin to be Christ-like? And this applies to those of you, even if you've been walking with Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years, your whole life, there is still an old self, and because you, you will never be perfect until you get to heaven. There is an old self that you must identify, cast aside, and, and, and put away. It's almost like you begin to engage in spiritual disciplines like we have over the past 21 days, and you, you look into God's Word, and you pray, and you seek His face, and the check engine light starts to go off, right? Uh, you, you like that one. You like that one, didn't you, Stacy? The check engine light starts to go off. What do, you, what do you do when the check engine light goes off? Well, obviously, you know, you call Stacy and, you know, get it fixed. Or you can be simpler than that. You can go to the parts store and they got this little machine and they stick it underneath your dash and it pulls up these little codes. And, and then you can call Stacy and say, hey, what does this code mean? I'm picking on you. He's like, oh, please, no. I'm going to be swamped this week. Um, so the Bible is like our, our little diagnostic tool that we have. 
When, when, when we begin to pray and seek the Lord and, and engage in spiritual disciplines, the Holy Spirit is like that check engine light that starts to beep. And we're like, what, what, is, what is it about me that's, that, that's, how do I diagnose this? And we, we dive into Scripture, and Scripture holds the codes. Scripture tells us, gives us a proper diagnosis of, of where we're kind of breaking down spiritually. And, uh, and, and that's, that's part of why we engage in spiritual disciplines. We want to know. Don't you want to know any spiritual deficiencies that you have as a person and as a Christian? You, you should. You should want to know those things because they're keeping you from running on all your spiritual RPMs. They're, hold, they're holding you back from being the person that God wants you to be. And God says, put that old person aside. But that's only half the story. I think a lot of Christians spend so much time trying to not do bad things that they forget that the whole point, the whole point of Christianity, the whole point of discipleship, and certainly the whole point of these Bible verses is to put on the new self. It is not enough. Listen, it is not enough for you to just stop doing bad things. It's not enough. It's not enough for you to just say, I've got some things in my life and I need to move them out of my life. It's not enough. That will just leave you with complete emptiness. Jesus told an interesting parable about that, about uh, a demon going out of a man and then he comes back and it's swept clean, might, might apply to, to this, that particular situation. But you just end up empty if all you do is say, oh, i got to get rid of that, i got to get rid of that. You just, you just have an empty house. The Bible says to put on the new self. You must start living, thinking, feeling, desiring uh, certain ways, certain Christ-like ways if you're to live as a Christian. Being a Christian is just not what we don't do. It's, it's how we live our life. That's what discipleship is all about. Recently, someone gave me a generator, an old generator, it had been left in a garage with old gas in it for 14 years. 14 years. And I said, well, uh, get it to me. I'll see, if I can, I'll see if I can get it running. And so at first I thought maybe I'll try to clean that gas tank. Oh, no way. So put a new gas tank on it. And as most of you can imagine, uh, still would not crank up. And I'm not a mechanical kind of person. Uh, what, I, what I know about engines, you can write on the back of a matchbox with a fat crayon. I just, I'm just not, a, just not a mechanical kind of person. And so uh, I, I, I call my old buddy friend, Ali Baji, you know, who was singing up here. Good to see Baji back on stage. And uh, he came over and uh, we pulled the car, we didn't pull the carburetor off. He pulled the carburetor off. And uh, so we started to, we didn't clean it. He cleaned it, you know, and all that kind of stuff. We put that old carburetor back on. Guess what? Didn't work. Now, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. The old carburetor didn't work. And so, obviously, I just took the old carburetor off and uh, left the old carburetor off and put new gas in it, and it just cranked right up, right? It's not how it works. I got a new carburetor, and I put a new carburetor on it, and I actually did do that part, put a new carburetor on it, and then it cranked right up. 
You see, I took off the old and I put on the new. And listen, if I would not have put on the new, it would still be broken. Until you put on the new, your spiritual life is still broken. It's not enough to just say, well, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do that. God has called you to be and to walk and to live after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and holiness is found in who you are becoming. Not just the things that you have stopped doing in your life. Put on the new person. We rid our lives from, with, from things. We put off the old. But we have to replace those things with the new. You see, Christianity is the place where the thief goes to become a giver. Where the liar comes to be a truth teller. Where the person of anger learns to be a person of peace. Where a person who walks in fear learns to walk in faith. Where the addict learns contentment. And the grumbler learns how to be grateful. And the complainer learns how to be joyous. And the selfish learns sacrifice. Where people who are cruel learn to walk in kindness. Where lazy people are turned into people of faithfulness. Where the impulsive become self-controlled, where the pride, prideful become humble, where the people who hold grudges become people of forgiveness. And we could go on and on in Scripture what the Bible says about this new self that God has called you to be until you put on the new self. Your spiritual life is still broken. The new self is God's vision for your life. And it needs to be your vision for your life. The new self is the godly you that you're becoming. The new self is the person that is becoming like God. Not just the person that stopped doing things, but the person that is becoming like God. The person that is wanting to live like Jesus and think like Jesus and desire the thing, same things that Jesus desires, to seize, to seize the world like Jesus sees it. That's the new you that you are to become. And so how do we do that? How do we identify the things that need to be moved out of our life and put them off and identify the things of our life that need to be added in. Like James says, add to your faith. And he gives this big list of stuff. How do we, how do we discover what those things are? It's very simple. The personal spiritual disciplines. The four basic spiritual disciplines that hopefully you've been doing over the past 21 days that hopefully you will continue to do throughout the remainder of this year and for the rest of your life. If you don't do these things, you will not be godly. You will not see significant spiritual change in your life. You can't just show up here Sunday after Sunday and sit and listen to me and expect that somehow 
that my words from this stage for about 30 or 40 minutes will somehow change you. You can't expect that just by coming and even volunteering at our church or getting involved even at leadership in our church, you can't expect all the external things that we do in Christianity to be the foundation of the change that takes place in your life. It has to be personal. It has to be personal. It has to be personal or what we do corporately together it's just a facade. You, you find yourself just really being hypocritical. If you don't spend time alone with God, is your time together with the people of God and God, is it, is it really something that is genuine? If you only pray and bow your head when someone on this stage tells you to or prays upon your behalf, are you, are you really praying the way that God wants you to do? If the only intake of the Word of God you get is whenever I provide it to you, is that really enough to feed you? No. You have to do these things, these four basic spiritual disciplines. I promise you, I don't want to overpromise, but I promise you, if you will nurture your personal relationship with God in this way, by reading His Word and by praying about what you read and seeking His will and praying according to His will, according to what you read in Scripture, if you will get alone with God and meditate with Him, and if you will periodically add fasting into that, I'm telling you what's going to happen. You will begin to see the old you, like a mirror. It just the, the, the scriptures will just become like a mirror. You'll read them and you'll say, that's me. Mm, that's how I am. Mm, I do that. Oh, I shouldn't do that. Oh, the Bible says not to. You will find all of those things about the old you that you have to take off. And then as you continue to search through the scriptures and look in it, then you'll see something else. You'll see the scripture reflecting the glory of God to you. You will see God. He, you will see who God is, and you'll begin to pray for those things. You'll begin to say, Lord, that's how you are. That's how I want to be. You'll begin to say, God, those, that's something that you did and how you lived. I, I want to live that way. You will begin to see how to put on the new person, the godly you, that, that, you're, that you're called to be. And this is the whole purpose. The whole purpose of spiritual disciplines. The whole, this is the whole purpose of everything that we do. is so that we might be godly. And so that we might live on mission for God and bring Him glory in who we are and in the things that we do in this world. That is the whole point. And let me give you a warning. Some of you, some of you may have already experienced that. This, this is what I'm about to say over the, next, over the past 21 days. Some of you may have already experienced this. Once you make a commitment that you're going to be godly, and once you say with resolve that I am going to spend alone time with God, not just over a 21-day special emphasis, but I'm going to start doing it all the time, and I'm going to do it, 
because I want to be godly. I want to put off the old and I want to put on the new. Once you start to do that, there's going to be a war that's going to happen in your life. I, I, might as, I might as well warn you about it because it's going to happen. You might as well spiritually prepare yourself. You see, that old self that we talked about, that old you, that old person, likes being the way that you are, likes the old you. And so do the systems of this world. The systems of this world are against your discipleship. The systems of this world perfectly fit with your sinful nature and your old nature is like, oh, you don't want to change in that way. And then Satan himself is against you. You will fight a three-front war from within and from without and, and from, from uh, the forces of evil themselves of, in dark places. Just like Ephesians said, we got to put on the whole armor of God if we're going to survive this. But there will be a war. And if you're just, if you don't have the, the spiritual grit uh, to go through this and you just give up, you're never, go, you're never going to change. You want to make Satan smile? Just skip your Bible reading for the day. You want to make Satan happy? Just hit that snooze button and be too sleepy to pray. If you want to make the enemy happy, just be too busy to spend time alone with God. Just be distracted. You see, Satan is happy. He, he, is, he is totally content and happy if you will just stay complacent. Just stay complacent. Just yawn and don't read scripture and just be spiritually lazy. That's enough to make, he, he, he doesn't have to trap you in some heinous sin, although that would make him completely laugh. He would love that if he could trap you in some heinous sin and pull you down and hurt you and a whole bunch of other people. He would love that. But he's content for you to just not change. He's content for you to just say, eh, you're okay. How do we fight this war? The spiritual disciplines. And how do we see the change happen? Repentance. If there's one word that I could give you today that is the, the key to all of this, it is saying, I see the old me, I repent of that, and I embrace the new me. I've described what repentance is many times. Repentance means that I'm going in this direction. This is the way I think and feel. These are my thoughts and desires. This is what I want out of life. This is the direction that I'm going. And, and repentance says, I'm turning my back on all of that. Repentance says, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to think like God wants me to think. I'm going to feel like God wants me to feel. I'm going to want and desire and have the emotions that are appropriate to God. I'm going to walk and live and act and be everything that God wants me to be. If you don't do this, you will never change. You will never experience spiritual change. Without an acknowledgement of your sin, I see my old self and I put that old self off. I turn from that old self and now I'm going to put on the new self. In fact, if you have never repented, 
you are not saved. You are not saved unless you have repented. And, and let me be real specific about this. Repentance is not saying, oh, I feel bad, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. Repentance is saying, I'm thinking and feeling and acting and walking this way, and now I'm going to go a different direction. That's repentance. Repentance is not a completed action where you say one prayer and say, I repent, I'm sorry, and now it's a completed action. Repentance is an ongoing lifestyle of discipleship that you embrace. And if you have not repented, then you are not saved. And if you don't continue to repent all throughout your Christian life, saying, I see my old self and I continue to put my old self on, off and put my new self off, and I'm going to put my old self off and I'm going to put my new self on. If you're not continuing to do and continuing to repent all throughout your life, you're not growing spiritually. This is the pivot point. You will not find a single person in Scripture, not one, that got saved apart from repentance. Not one. You will not find any teaching in the New Testament that preaches or teaches salvation without repentance. Hear me. You will not find any person in heaven that never repented. This is required. It's required for salvation. It's required for spiritual growth. And it's not fun for us to look at our flaws and see the things that need to change about us and turn our back on them and embrace the new, but this is absolutely what is required. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever even one time, ever even one time, truly repented? Because that's discipleship. Jesus said it so many times. He told the rich young ruler, he said, sell everything you own and follow me. He told, uh, unless you hate father and mother, sister, brother, you cannot follow me. Some hard sayings. Unless you do this, you can't fight. He, he said, unless you lose your life, you can't come, become my disciple. One guy said, hey, I just got married. One, one guy said, hey, I, just, uh, I, I, I have a sick father. He said, let the dead bear their own dead. Come follow me. Jesus gave a very, very specific message of a cost. It's a cost. And it costs you your old self. It costs you turning from your old self and repenting. If you haven't done that even one time, you're not saved. You, you, don't, you don't know. I don't, it doesn't matter what you believe. I don't care what prayer you prayed long time ago whenever you were six or seven or eight years old. I don't care if you've been baptized. This is a critical component of salvation. You remove it and there is no gospel. And it's a critical component of your ongoing sake to sanctification, putting off the old, putting on the new. So let me ask you a question. Do you, need, do you need to repent today? Is there something specific that you need to repent of today? Can, let's, let's stand together. Let's stand together. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes.